Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast presented by me, John. And me, Louise. We have been fascinated by spooky goings-on since we can remember and wanted to share with you the stories that pique our interest. Today's story is of hauntings, possession, poltergeist, psychological manipulation and an unexpected twist. It's the spooky tale of British royal ghosts. Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast and thank you to all of you who have written to tell us how much you're enjoying the podcast and for sharing your spooky experiences. Shout outs to Helen Celine, Malik TV, DQ Paranormal, Sinister Coffee and Creamery, who are coffee roasters, ice cream makers and a paranormal investigation team in Oregon. What a brilliant mix. Absolutely. I saw today that on their ice cream menu was buried alive buried get that <laughs> made with blueberries and blackberries gosh that sounds lovely. lovely also penny griffiths morgan check out her books by the way really good mix of spook and history and eve s evans a super author and podcaster of the paranormal forever haunted yep that's the name of her podcast yes and a shout out to two other podcasters the bizarre podcast and the prairie land paranormal podcast both excellent and covering all manner of weirdness the Prairie Land Paranormal podcast just covered fairies and the little people in the USA. Also, one on the hollow earth theory, both of which I found very interesting and very well researched. Oh, do you know, I reckon Benedict would love that. What, the hollow earth theory? Yes, I reckon he would really like that. Oh, okay, well. Because we've listened to things about the flat earth before now. Oh, yes, he would like yeah. it. And it's PG as well, so that's good. Oh, that always makes a difference when you know that it is family. Yes. Family friendly. Indeed, indeed. You can listen to it with other ears, with younger ears <laughs> present. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. The other one was the Bizarre Podcast, which looked at simulation theory and the Ghosts of Flight 401 recently. So go and have a listen to these, and also don't forget to have a listen to Forever Haunted. Today's tale is about British royal ghosts, and we start with King Arthur. Ah, but was he? Was he a king, though, or was he not just Arthur? We, <laughs> what, you mean, was he made up or something like yes. that? Well, uh, well, true, you can't actually point to a, a name of, of a King Arthur on a royal register type thing. He's a bit more of a legend. A royal register? <laughs> <laughs> is that like a school register? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> king Arthur? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, you know what I mean. It's, it's Henry! A- <laughs> Henry! Henry! <laughs> That's like that Ferris Bueller's Day Off, isn't it? There is a list of kings and queens that have been in Britain, or what was known in Britain at the time. So I I don't think it has an official name, but it's a list of 61 monarchs of England and Britain over the last 1,200 years, you know, from Saxon times. Actually, one that always stands out to me is King Canute, who ruled from 1016 to 1035. He was son of Sven Forkbeard. Good man. Yes. Well, you know the story about King Canute? Yes, that he tried to stop the, the tide from coming in, is that right? That's right, yes. Well, I always thought this was because he was an arrogant narcissist who thought that he was a bit of a god or a complete fool or both. Oh no, it was the exact opposite. He was trying to show his subjects that he wasn't a god, and by ordering the tide not to come in, he knew it would be doomed to failure. That must be an easier way. I mean, just, you know, for example, me, King Canute, a god? No, no, I'm not a god. Whatever made you think that? I mean, he could have just said that, really. Mm, True. Anyway, King Arthur, more legend than an actual person on a register. Although, in 1998, there was a discovery of the Artognew Stone. Sometimes referred to as the Arthur Stone, so called because the Celtic inscription read Artognew, descendant of Paternus, Collus, made this. Collus made this. So that was the inscription. What? Say that again, sorry. So the inscription read, Artognu, descendant of Paternus, Collis made this, Collis made this. So right. Artognu means bear knowing right. and is related to the old Breton name of Artnu and the Welsh Arthnu. I'm obviously, my, pronunci- my <laughs> pronunciations are all over the place here, but it's a lot like Arthur. Hmm? Oh yeah, no, I can hear that. I can hear what you're saying. Okay, yeah. so can you guess where it was found? Tintagel? Oh yes, spot on. Yes. Well, you can imagine. Tintagel, that's in Cornwall, Tintagel south down west in, of England. That's right, Tintagel down in Cornwall. So, well, you can imagine that this sent the Arthurian Belief Brigade into utter apoplexy. 
So, what's so special about Tintagel? Well, it was where King Arthur was conceived. Yep. Well, yes, you see, now there's some skullduggery and witchcraft right there, isn't there? Because there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff around. If you believe in the Arthur yeah. myth, then... It's, it's a legend. A legend. Is it not? A, Myths are of gods. Legends uh, are of humans. Oh, well, there we go. I've learned something new already. Then King uh, Uta, actually, isn't it? King Uta Pendragon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really fancied the Duke of Cornwall's wife. Ignia? I, I always think I thought it was Igena. Igena, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, said to be the most beautiful one of the age. Mm-hmm. Obviously not of this age, because I am stood here. Well, exactly. Yeah, well, well done, well done. King Uta was not backward in coming forward about his feelings towards her. So much so, the Duke of Cornwall took her back to Cornwall and locked her up inside his castle. Not a very trusting man. That, and that castle being Tintagel. Yes. This did not put Uta off, who besieged the castle. However, it was impregnable. Merlin the Sorcerer assisted Uta and made Uta look like the Duke of Cornwall. So Uta looking absolutely like the Duke of Cornwall, Uh, using magic, was admitted to the castle, seduced the good lady, or... Did he seduce her or did he just go, hello, honey, hi, honey, I'm home? Should have gone, oh, I didn't expect you back. Well, I I imagine she did. Yes. Yes. Anyway, um, so yes, he seduced her. There was a bit of shenanigans, grown-up shenanigans. And then nine months later, along came baby Arthur. Or is it Arthur? Or Artu? How would you pronounce it? Well, we'd pronounce Arthur at the moment. Yeah, the Arthur, yeah. The day after the night of the seduction, the Duke of Cornwall was killed in the battle and... How do you? How are you pronouncing it? Iguna. Iguna. Yeah, Iguna. Iguna agreed to marry Uta. Yes, that agreed's pretty much in um, air quotes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, she didn't have any choice, did she? Because did she then realise? Because in the legend, she realised that she'd been duped. Yes. Yes. But did she feel something for him? I thought there was something. There was supposed to, supposed to be in the legend that they had a connection, didn't they? They had a magnetism. Oh, between I didn't them. know that. Yes, in some in some tellings, right. there is a, there is a magnetism between the them. The Laguna and Uta actually yes. they were you know, they were okay about it then. Well, well, Laguna was because she quite fancied Uta anyway. Well, I don't think she was. Yeah, whether or not she knew, because it wasn't so much. It, well, it depends. Depends on which story it is. It wasn't that she couldn't. You know, she wouldn't have welcomed him into her bedchamber. Uh, it was more he couldn't get to the bedchamber because the castle was, you know, rammed with all of oh, the soldiers. Right. Okay, so he well, couldn't no, just he couldn't just kind of Uta couldn't just kind of walk in and say hi. I was just in the neighbourhood. Oh, is the Duke of Cornwall not here? Shall we have a glass of wine? You know, he couldn't do right. that because of all the soldiers. Yes. So she was basically being barricaded and kept a prisoner. Okay, so he came in looking, looking like, like my it husband. She went, hello, you're back early. And she, he basically lifted up his glasses and said, it is it's I. Me. Yes, <laughs> yes. And she went, oh, hey, you know, shenanigans happened. And then, yes, he was killed and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, she agreed to marry Uta and therefore it legitimised their unborn child, Arthur, who became the heir to the throne. Yeah, although in Tintagel there are no claims of people seeing the ghost of Arthur, there have been claims of sightings of Merlin in the cave at the foot of the cliff known as Merlin's Cave. Cave. Full apparitions have been seen, as well as beams of light emanating from within the cave. Beams of light emanating from the cave. A torch, yes. perhaps? Yes, there could be, couldn't yes. it? Yes. Oh, look at that beam of light. Uh, yes, from that exactly. That's crazy. Absolutely yeah. mad. Because, oh, yes, especially in that area, because smugglers, smugglers, yes. isn't it? Well, it's, yes, we're talking some years ago now, but yes. I don't think they're smuggling down there now. No. Oh, no, no, not now. Yeah. No. But yes, so, uh, well, we've actually been to Tintagel many times. Yes. And it, it is indeed a magical place. Yes. Speaking of magical, just down the road in the delightful village of Boscastle is a museum of witchcraft, a fascinating and spooky place. So is King Arthur's ghost seen anywhere? Or is it one of those things that, you know, you just... He's part of the, the kind of legend of the country, or yes, well, he has been seen. About if you take a two-hour road trip up the A30 and the M5 to Cadbury Hill, which is so, in Somerset. So this is still the west of England. Still but, west of England. Yes, moving away from Cornwall. Yes, indeed. So, so you're going up to London. Yeah, if you take the M5, then the M4, you'd be in London. But um, when, once we get to Somerset, uh, not far from uh, yeah, so we get. To, 
You were just about to go down a whole kind of traffic thing there, weren't <laughs> I you? Was. Yes, let's stop there, <laughs> right there. Anyway, Cadbury Hill is one of the locations of Camelot. Ooh. Some people thought, oh, it's Tintagel, must be Camelot. No, Cadbury Hill is, is, is one of the places that is seen as possible Camelot. We're, of course, we're talking about a, a legend place here. Yes. So, um, but if it, if it did table. exist, yes, if it did exist, it was going to be Cadbury Hill. And Round Table, was it because then no, nobody was his favourite. There was nobody that was above everybody else. Yes, we are a band sort of, of orig- Exactly, sort of seen as the original non-hierarchical setup. Yes, exactly. So Cadbury Hill, and from the track that leads from Cadbury Hill to Glastonbury, every year on the 20th of June, uh, he is seen. Really? And in fact, yes, one witness in 1995 said that he saw an armoured man with a standard in front of him disappear around the corner although there was no place that could that he could have gone so you mean armored man you mean he was like a knight in yes. armor yes yes okay well, rather you... than he had a gun yes exactly that's what i thought you meant no, <laughs> he like, wasn't armed, armed. No. he was armored he was wearing yes. he was wearing of the armor so what do you mean there was nowhere he could have gone? Well, I don't know. I guess it was a, a wall or a big hedge or something like that. Right, I see. So we jump from the time of legends to the kings and queens of the Middle Ages. Oh, King Henry VIII, I am, I am, I am, yes. King Henry VIII. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, he does seem to have created quite a few ghosts in his time. Yes. Well, let's start with Catherine of Aragon, a Spanish princess. Before marrying Henry, she was married to his brother, Arthur. Oh, another back into Arthur. the Arthurs. Yes, yeah. right, yeah. so there was a King Arthur. Oh, no, he wasn't king. He, no. he, he, well, king he, he well, was. he was Prince uh, Prince of Wales. Yes. When, um, and, she, and he married uh, Catherine of Aragon when she was sweet 16. And he was younger than her, wasn't he? Was he 15? Oh, do you know, I didn't know that. Yes, he was, was he younger. Was younger? Yeah, he well, was Because I was about her. to get incensed. Oh, get married so young. Well, they were very good. They were very, they were of the same age. And I actually thought she was younger than 16. Was she known? She was 16. She, was, she? Well, she was 16, according to the sources I've seen. If, by any chance, you guys know of another source, that uh, please do let me know. Yes, yeah, so she was married to Arthur at sweet 16, but she was betrothed to him when she was three years old. I thought that was quite young. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. Anyway, Arthur died five months after their marriage in 1501, so he, he never became king. No, and he was always the Prince of Wales. Yes, that's yeah. right. And then she married Henry eight years later. Uh, well, she was obviously destined to become queen. Yes. Catherine was Henry VIII's longest surviving wife, but alas for her, she did not provide a son and heir. Thus, she was banished from the court and divorced and was sent to spend her days in Kimbolton Castle. She died there in 1536, aged 50. Some say she was poisoned and haunts the castle as well as Castle Lodge in Ludlow, where she lived with Arthur. She is said to walk between the floor levels. Between the floor levels? Yes, head and shoulders gliding along the floor of one level and her torso and legs drifting along the ceiling of the floor below. Oh, how weird is that? Absolutely. She's also been seen haunting the room of her death, looking pale and wan, like death, I suppose. Yes, exactly, like she's not feeling very well. (laughs) Yes, that's right. As Queen in 1513, she acted as the Regent of England for six months when Henry was off fighting the French. Yeah, she was, wasn't Mm -hmm, she? mm -hmm. She was pretty good at it too. She played an important role in the defeat of the Scottish at the Battle of Flodden, where she gave an emotional and rousing speech about the English courage. I should imagine there was lots of Scottish courage on that day also. Yes, but she was giving the speech about English courage to to, to, uh, To arouse the English. Yes. and, And it was noted. It was noted. She was was a good speaker, was she? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly on that day. Yeah, she started a widespread extensive programme for relief for the poor. Catherine was a popular queen and much admired. She received much sympathy from the British public as she, a devoted Catholic, refused to recognise Henry as the head of the church. He split from Rome so that he could divorce her and marry Anne Boleyn, having been refused a divorce by Pope Clement the Seventh. Yes, is it the Seventh? Pope that's Clement the one. Seventh. Oh, I didn't know that. There were lots of Clements. Yes, in the that's Popes. right. Well, it was quite. I suppose it's quite. You know that she did get that sympathy. 
Because it's sometimes portrayed, that, uh, I think, that, uh, you know, Henry was this autocratic thing. Oh, but but at the time, the British public were, you know, quite a, quite a lot of them were on her side. Well, I think it wasn't it, the fact that he was putting her aside for this, well, right. this other created woman. created a church so that he could get married to somebody and else. And she had produced an heir. She just hadn't produced a male heir. Yes. She had produced children. A son, and she'd that's had right. a, he hadn't got a son in heir. It no. It was a, a daughter in heir. Exactly. And she had produced, she had had miscarriages as well. Mm-hmm. Um so, yes, I don't think he was all... Because it was a Catholic country. Because England was a Catholic, mm. Catholic country at that time. Yeah, nothing so, weird about that at the time. No, so it's horrific that, you know, he just decided... Absolutely. Let's create my own church, then I can do what I please. Yeah. And marry Anne Boleyn. Yeah. The more you look into King Henry VIII... Oof, what yeah. a piece of work, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, it got worse yeah. when Anne Boleyn didn't produce a son and heir either. Yeah, she produced an heir. Yeah, just not a son and heir. yeah. So Anne became queen in 1533 and was imprisoned in the Tower of London and beheaded in 1536. Crikey. Just three years. I know. The ghost of Anne has been spotted in many different parts of the Tower of London, both roaming the inside of the buildings and outside upon the Tower Green, where her headless torso paces, and is most frequently spotted in the Chapel of St Peter, where she was buried following her execution. In 1864, it is recorded that a soldier guarding the Tower saw the terrifying headless figure of Anne panicked and tried to stab it with his bayonet. Oh, my word. The dagger, of course, went straight through her ghostly figure. Oh, my word. The soldier fainted with fright. Not surprised. And was nearly court-martialed for being asleep on duty. Gosh! However, many other guards came forward and claimed that they'd also seen the ghost of Anne whilst on night duty. And as a result, the soldier got off. Gosh. That is fortunate. They were either... They were either very brave or there was a lot of camaraderie amongst the guards or they had a sleep scam game. Yes, that's you know. what I think it could have happened. Yes, have a snooze. And if you call, you say you saw a ghost and fainted. We'll back you up by saying we've all seen it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll back you up. Yeah, I know. So have there been other sightings of Anne? You were saying that there have been oh, yes. other bits. She was a busy ghost. Oh. In 1876, Queen Victoria ordered that the bodies of St Peter's Chapel, one of which was Anne, should be exhumed and buried more appropriately. Why were they in not very smart graves? Were they just kind of buried in... Marked graves or unmarked graves? Or? That's a good question. I don't know why the church, the chapel of St Peter wasn't... But maybe it was just too small and she thought, well, you know, these these people were queens. Yes. Uh, and uh, let's give them something more queen-like as a burial. Yes, quite right too. So a short while later, one of the captains of the guard was patrolling the tower at night and saw a strange flickering light in the chapel. Yeah. Inside the chapel he saw a procession of lords, ladies and knights in armour. Oh. I think the knights were in armour, not, not the lords and ladies. Yeah. At the centre of the festivity was a small, delicately dressed woman who he identified as being Anne Boleyn. Oh. He remained at the window, transfixed by the strange and otherworldly scene, which faded from view after a few minutes, leaving a dark and empty chapel. Wow, so they still know how to party. Oh, yeah. That's actually interesting. So even in the ghost world... <laughs> That's right. She's still, you know, she's still kind of like, you know... I want to know how he knew it was Anne Boleyn, but I guess you see, see portraits and what have you. Yes, you? exactly. Maybe she had the dress on. And presumably her head on. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, that's that, that's a good point, actually, because he may have... What, been, seen a lady in a dress and no head? Y- yes, that's right. It's a bit, Yes, so I don't know. He may have sort of seen the lady in the dress with no head, and therefore, well, that's got to be Anne Boleyn, hasn't it? Well, it could be. Could be. I don't think she's the only one that's had had that fate happen to her, did she? True, but maybe had a soft spot for her. Yeah. yeah so, so she also appears on the anniversary of her execution, the Gosh. 19th of May, in case you were wondering, right? at Blicking Hall, which is her birthplace. She arrives in a carriage driven by a headless man, pulled by four headless horses. That's the carriage, obviously, not the man. The carriage stops at the entrance to the hall and Anne steps out. Headless by any chance? Oh, yes. As headless as the day she died. I do wonder how these headless folk, and, and in this case, the horses, see how that, where they're going. <laughs> Another good point well made. Maybe we just don't hear about the headless ghosts that bump into a tree or a lamppost or oh. something. So, the Tower of London, which was... Obviously, it, it, was it a palace or was it a keep or a castle? Yeah, it was a keep. Uh, so the, t- the White Tower, it was called. Yes. And then they sort of just built around it, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the tower was... Um, it was for kind of royal prisoners and... 
Yeah, well, it was, it was a keep. So, it was a keep. Um, and then obviously they had, uh, you know, places where you could keep uh, prisoners there as well. Yes. Uh, but it became more and more known as, you know, you got sent to the tower. Yes, and a fortified place, isn't it? Oh, because, completely. I mean, it, you know, now the kind of jewels and goodness is kind of yes, kept crown there because it is so fortified, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So who, who else haunts the tower? And it can't just be Anne wandering around. No, there's quite a few others. So, well, there's the tragic, tragic tale of the princes in the tower. Oh, gosh, yes. Edward V and his brother Richard Shrewsbury, the Duke of York, they were the only sons of King Edwards IV and Elizabeth Woodville. They survived his death in 1483. Mm -hmm. They were looked after by their uncle, the Lord Protector Richard, Duke of Gloucester. He lodged them in the tower for safekeeping until Henry V's coronation. However, before that could happen, the princes were declared illegitimate and the dastardly Uncle Richard was declared king. What a so-and-so. Well, that is all supposition, actually, because uh, okay. there, there is another history. So there are kind of, you know, histories written by the, yes. the victors mm. and he's very much painted as the bad one. But there's no, up until for a long time... It, there was none of this history. But it, it doesn't look good, though, does it? No, it doesn't look good because the the boys just disappeared yes. from the tower. They were never went into the tower and they never came out and they, they didn't grow up there. So obviously something happened to them and the princes were assumed murdered as they were never seen again until 1674 when workmen dug up a wooden box containing two small skeletons which are assumed to be the princes. Their murder remains unsolved to this day, but it is assumed that Richard, their, their protector, did it. However, yeah. that is a relatively new in kind of histories. So it's kind of state. making up the story there and making him to be the baddie. Yes, absolutely, because he was very much painted, kind of, he's like, the, you know, the image of him with the hunchback and everything like that, which is very much Shakespeare's time he never had a hunchback he was quite a tall chap we're definitely talking about richard the third here yes oh, right, absolutely okay. so like when they found it because they recently found his grave didn't they under the car park yeah. in leicester yeah yes that was him with no hunchback no nothing like that he was a normal uh, so that was a fict- fictitious yeah that was that was shakespeare using kind of like he's a baddie he made him a baddie but he was spoken about as a baddie then but at the time he was not seen Uh, as necessarily the person that did it oh well it suckered me in yeah because it's a really good tale and he's seen as such a a kind of historical baddie he's not but why wasn't the why wasn't edward v coronated then that doesn't make sense why why declare him why didn't he fight for his legitimacy as king Rather than going, oh, what a shame. I suppose I'll be king then. Well, it was supposed to be that they were warring families. Okay. But he was a... You know, Richard pre- III, there is a kind of a strand of history that says he was very much the reluctant king. Mm-hmm. That he very much didn't want to, to do it. He was... You know, he wanted his brother, yes. Richard That Lionheart. sounds like a politician saying, oh, no, I wouldn't like to be prime no, minister. No, I know. I'm true. But I do think it is... It's. Not as clear cut as he did yeah. it. He's the baddie. Okay. Yes, there well, is some that ambiguity way. there. That's good. To, yes. good to hear. Anyway, the shadow, shadowy figures. Yes, the shadowy figures of two lost boys, two lost little boys oh, holding hands, are a relatively common sight in the White Tower as they drift between rooms and melt into the walls. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, no, there is. It's supposed to be. They have worked out who they actually think did the deed. Yeah. Because of who was in the tower and, so was, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like a cold case team, a crack cold case yeah. team on it. Though, yeah, it? no, there's loads of stuff. Or is it just like amateurs wandering around going, oh, no, 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 no. There's loads of kind of historical. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, there's some really good books. There's a really good book by Alison Weir about it. And I'm trying to think of another good book that I have read about. I must, must look that one up because that yes. does sound good. Yes. So Lady Jane Grey, she yes. is another that haunts the tower. A nice tea. It, well, Lady Jane Grey tea. Yeah. Yes. Mm. I've not had that one. I've had Earl Grey. Yeah. But not the Lady. You can have Lady Jane. Can you? You can have Lady Jane. I thought you were kidding. No. I must have (laughs) it. I thought you were looking at me like, And there was me thinking I liked tea. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. So Lady Jane Grey, she was a teenager used by her father-in-law, Edward Dudley, Duke of Northumberland, as a pawn in a deadly power game after the death of King Henry VIII. 
She was the great-granddaughter of King Henry VII and was therefore royal and was placed on the throne by the enemies of the Catholic Queen Mary Tudor. Can you guess how long Jane reigned for? Oh, it was only just a few days, wasn't it? It was nine days. Nine days! Yep. Mary, the eldest daughter of King Henry VIII, with Catherine of Aragon, took the rightful place on the throne in July 1553. Lady Jane Grain was beheaded at the Tower in 1554. She was just 16 years old. Guy, it was shocking how these young girls were used for power, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Just because mm-hmm. there's no way that she actually said, right, I'm going to do this. No. But it wasn't, it was her that got beheaded. I mean, obviously, there was a kind of like, can't have her because she might be a figurehead that other people rally around. But it wasn't her that kind of, you know, she was a pawn being used. Anyway, get off my historical snowbox, which <laughs> no, I regularly no, it's, get it's back good, good on. Good to know. So, has her ghost been seen? It has. On the 12th of February 1957, two guards at the towers, uh, yeah, the tower, saw her on the battlements. And do you know why that date is significant? Anniversary of her death? Oh, yes. Oh, spot yes. on. Thank 403 years before, sir. Now, almost everywhere, be it a castle or a manor house, a coaching inn or a ye old bridge, they all seem to be haunted by one common ghost, a spectre of a woman, either dressed in white or black. We've all seen, you know, yeah, the, I've heard the, of those. the white women or the black women feature in countless tales. I mean, yeah. we, We've covered that in quite a few previous episodes. Indeed, indeed, yes. yes. So, as you might expect, the white woman at the Tower of London is spookier than most. Ooh. Often, visitors only glimpse a figure in white in the corner of their eyes. Then, quite suddenly, they smell the terrible, pungent smell of an old, overpowering perfume. What, you mean like the kind of po- perfume that 15-year-old girls wear that's far too strong for them? <laughs> it was poison when I was. Yes, well, exactly. Poisoned by Dior. Yes. Yeah, well, I've got, I have the same reaction, to be honest. I know it's lovely, it's you know, very posh and expensive, but yeah. oh, goodness me. Well, they've changed the scent of that. That's a completely different thing. But apparently the, the scent that I used to smell when I was, and I used to wear when I was 15, and it was far too old for me, um, <laughs> is n- not what you can get now. Oh, really? Yeah, they've so altered they've sort the of recipe. softened it or yeah, something? Yeah, they've altered the recipe. Uh, yeah. Okay. And it's actually, to get those bottles, they cost a lot. Some visitors describe the feeling of the world closing in around them. I definitely used to get that from Dior's Poison. Oh. Uh, and oh, chills run from their neck down their spine. I didn't used to get so much of that, though. No. Did you used to sort of get that closing in feeling? No, I used to just, I felt very mature. <laughs> I felt very grown up. Obviously, I probably wore far too much of it and everybody, everybody, everybody else did. Really, yeah. right, I, see. Yeah. I thought everybody was just going, woo, as so I walked anyway. past by them, my magnetism. But no, it was just the fact that I was yes. bowling them over with my scent. Right. So then that's a bit like the white lady in the Tower of London. She's got... Uh, deal with poison on and she's knocking out these tourists basically. yeah Giorgio Beverly Hills Is that people one? of an age yes so we'll go oh yes I remember that one yeah. okay yeah so another spooky tale from the tower is in the old the old armour of King Henry VIII. Oh, gosh. It's said to be possessed by a particularly malevolent ghost, perhaps King Henry VIII himself. He's really big, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. When you see it, you realise he was a big bloke. He was. He wasn't always like that, but over the years he definitely grew, isn't he? Yes. But he was tall as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, that was. it wasn't just he was portly. No. Yes, he yeah. was. He was. I mean, he was just big. Yes, yeah, he, he was a, just a, a. He would have been a good rugby player in the sort of second row or something, yeah. or, or something like that. <laughs> something like that. So, because uh, he did have big sport, he had this big sporting prowess of the time, didn't oh, he? Oh yes, absolutely, and I mean, he absolutely adored it, didn't yeah. he? Many guards have reported horrible sensations when patrolling the Tower of London at night. Different men and women have described the feelings of dread or of chills running through their spine when entering a particular chamber. However, some guards have told of a truly harrowing experience. Some describe walking into a room and feeling like they're being crushed alive. Oh, gosh. Some say that it feels like a demon has jumped down from the ceiling, has wrapped its arms tight around their chest and are trying to suffocate them. Gosh. Others say that it feels like an invisible monster is trying to strangle them. This is less spooky and more horrifying, It is a bit, honest. isn't it? When they felt this tight grip of hands around their neck and they have stumbled, gasping for oxygen, into oh. another room. One guard struggled as he felt his cloak wrap tight around his neck. He managed to escape the room but had bright red marks on his neck from the strangling. Oh. All these stories of suffocation and strangling have one thing in common. 
They occurred in the room storing King Henry VIII's armour. What, the kind of, the, the, the big armoury? Yes. That room? Well, it, it, it was in different rooms at the time. Where really? it is now is not where it was, wasn't where it always was kept. Oh, really? Yes. So it didn't matter wherever the armour was moved to in the Tower of London, these terrifying experiences would occur wherever the armour was stored. Wow. In recent years, tourists to the Tower have even reported the sensation that something or someone is tapping them on the shoulder. Really? Indeed. And when they turn round, there is an old man asking if they'd like to buy a souvenir. No? No, I'm joking. Oh, right. They turn around to find there's nothing there. Oh. Just a wisp of white which evaporates into the air. Ooh, now that's spooky. Yeah, indeed. That would creep that would you freak out, you. wouldn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> I have two more spooky tales from the tower. Go on, then. Did you know there used to be exotic animals kept in the tower, much like a zoo? Yes, we went on the same tour together. Oh, yeah, of course. Anyway... Um, guards hear the roar of a ghostly lion or phantom horses running over the cobbles. However, one night, guards saw a bear emerge in front of a door. What, an actual bear? Well, yes. Gosh. Well, no. I mean, it was a ghost bear. So the guards stabbed at it. <laughs> I love the way you said that. It sounds like, duh. It was a ghost bear, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> not an actual bear <laughs> so the guard stabbed at it with his lance but his spiky bit got stuck in the door having passed right through the ghostly bear the spiky bit there's got to be a technical term for that <laughs> yes I think it's a pike but I'm not sure <laughs> another story involved Edmund Lenthal Swift who was the keeper of the crown jewels between 1814 and 1852 he lived inside the Tower of London with his family as many of them still do today actually yeah he recorded a truly spooky experience. Okay, I'm, I'm here for that. Okay, so it happened on a Saturday night in October. Ooh. At about Halloween. the witching hour. Ooh. Which is 12 o'clock. Yeah. It is 12 o'clock, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. He was in the jewel house, now, um, now the Martin Tower, where Anne Boleyn was kept prisoner before execution. Right. The windows were closed, the curtains were drawn, and the room was dimly lit by a couple of candles. Suddenly... Something very odd happened, and in fact, I'll let him tell it in his own words. My wife looked up and exclaimed, Good God, what is that? I looked up, and I saw a cylindrical figure like a glass tube, seemingly about the thickness of my arm. It was hovering between the ceiling and the table. Its contents appeared to be a dense fluid, white and pale azure, like... Like the gathering of a summer cloud. Very poetic, isn't it? It is. And incessantly rolling and mingling within the cylinder. This lasted about two minutes. Then it began slowly to move before my sister-in-law. Then, following the oblong shape of the table, before my son and myself, passing behind my wife. It paused for a moment over her right shoulder. Instantly she crouched down. And with both hands covering her shoulder, she shrieked out, Oh, Christ! It has seized me! Oh, my word! Even now, while writing, I feel the fresh horror of that moment. Well, that's one of the weirdest ghostly apparitions I've heard I of. Know, it really is odd, isn't it? Well, I don't understand what it could kind of be. Yeah, yes. I mean, I when I heard the story, it's like this sort of cylindrical object. It sounded almost like a very tiny UFO. It's a very weird one, isn't or a, it? Yeah, very strange. You wouldn't imagine that. And then that makes it sound like almost more natural, like a, an actual apparition. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because you hear so many things about kind of the white, the lady in white. Yes, yes. Or the, the grey lady, or her, that kind of stuff. You're going to think, yes. nah, you know. But something like that, you I think, know. well, actually, that is really weird, isn't it? And <laughs> there's like more than one person that saw it. Yeah, well, the whole family. Yeah. yeah. And Ooh. you know, and he's a sort of stand-up guy. He's the sort of keeper of the house of a uh, uh, keeper of the, uh, the, keeper the of crown the jewels. Yes, yeah. exactly. He's not any old bloke, is he? No. Yes. One assumes it dissipated into thin air, like most apparitions are wont to do. Let's take the golden royal barge twelve miles up the River Thames from Traitors Gate at the Tower of London to the Royal Palace of Hampton Court. A journey that most would make in the opposite direction. But not in the Royal Barge. No, oh, yes. Hampton Court was built in 1515 for Cardinal Wolsey, a favourite of King Henry VIII, until he wasn't in 1529. <laughs> yes, he wasn't able to secure the divorce of Catherine of Aragon, was he? No, he wasn't. So, to try and lessen the impact of falling out of favour, 
He gifted the palace to King Henry. Mm, you say nice. gifted. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly, which yeah. became his favourite residence. It didn't work, though, as he was arrested on treason and died on his way back to London to answer charges. He was arrested in York, wasn't he? Or yes. he was told he was yes. going to be arrested. Yes. And he had to come back and he died on the way back. There well, are they two- thought then that there was, I think it was natural causes. There was no suspiciousness. No, he was he was very unwell at the time, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And And... And so yes, he it wasn't wasn't a nasty thing, but they do wonder whether it hastened it, don't yeah. they? Yeah, it's probably a bit worrying. Yes, there are two main royal ghosts. Plus, I've got to mention a recent story of a ghost caught on CCTV. All right, yes. First things first, Jane Seymour. She was Henry's favourite wife, as she produced a son and heir, Edward. Jane was born in Wolf Hall in Savanac Forest in Wiltshire. That's a very good book. Oh yes. By Hilary Mantel, Wolf Hall. Anybody that watches YouTube that I do knows that I'm obsessed with Hilary Mantel and that book in particular. She had served as Anne Boleyn's maid of honour as Anne was, had served for Catherine of Aragon's maid. My word, it didn't look far, did no, it? No, uh, it, it goes on It just well. goes on, yeah. yeah. Jane dies from complications resulting from the birth of Edward in 1537. Jane Seymour's ghostly apparition is seen wandering through the palace and its cobbled courtyards carrying a lighted taper, which is a... Is that kind of a... Is, yeah. that, is that just like a, a thin candle? Yes, basically. Yes, a thin candle. And is often seen in the Silver Stick Gallery. Incidentally, there are two ghosts in Savanac Forest, including that of a large silver stag. Oh, silver stags are very Patronus-like. Absolutely. Very much Harry Potter. Our second famous royal ghost in Hampton Court is that of Catherine Howard, Henry V's... Uh, Henry... <laughs> Henry V's eighth wife, no. Our second famous royal ghost in Hampton Court is that of Catherine Howard, Henry VIII's fifth wife. Try saying that fast. Stories of her ghost proliferated throughout the 450 years after her execution. These stories were so well known that by 1918, when the palace opened to the public, the space associated with Catherine's story was already known as the Haunted Gallery. To this day, visitors report unexpected sights, sounds, smells and feelings as they cross the Haunted Gallery. In 1999, during separate tours of the palace, Two female visitors fainted on exactly the same spot in the haunted gallery, approximately half an hour apart. That's How amazing, does that happen? Isn't it? That's pretty strange. That yeah. is such a yeah. But it just go ooh, and then half an hour later, they must have wondered what was going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh, that's quite. That's actually giving me a chill just thinking about it. Catherine was married to King Henry less than three weeks after the annulment of their marriage to Anne of Cleves. Catherine was maid of honour to Anne of Cleves and, as the saying goes, caught Henry's interest. She was 17 when they married in July 1540. Henry was 49 and, as we said, she was 17. Catherine, however, was said to be secretly meeting Thomas Culpepper, a male courtier that Catherine was close to before she married Henry, who had succeeded in the Queen's affections. Yes, it's a nice um, way of putting it, isn't it? Yes. Their secret meetings were arranged by Anne Boleyn's brother's widow, Lady Rochford, a.k.a. Jane Boleyn. Word got out about the affair as a man called John Lachelles heard the details from his sister Mary about Catherine's light ways. Light ways? When Mary had been living with Catherine at Lambeth Palace. Are you keeping up with this? Well, just about. So Catherine was a bit of a goer and gossip was rife. Is that about right? Well... See, okay. Where's my history soapbox? And let me get on it. Well, that depends on what side of history you're on. John Lachelles, Lachelles, John Lachelles took this information to took this information, information, gossip. Yeah. To the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cramner, who then interrogated his sister Mary, not not Thomas Cramner's sister, but John Lachelles' sister Mary. So. Under the Archbishop's interrogation, Mary alleged that Catherine had sexual relations while under the Duchess's care before her relationship with the King. So she wasn't pure when she Mm -hmm. got married. Cramner decided to use this info to get back at his enemies, the Catholic family Norfolk. Lady Rochford, on the pain of torture, confessed to setting up secret meetings. 
and Catherine was imprisoned in Sion Abbey and forced to return the ring belonging to Anne of Cleves, which was the symbol of her lawful and legal rights. That's a bit, that's not good, is it? There is a real rewriting of history here. So she was really, really made out to be this licentious woman that was just basically casting eyes at men and luring them to to her. And that she had, um, not that she had plotted to get the king, but she was she was a wily woman, mm-hmm. and well, she, but she was so she seven. Was she was she was manipulating, and she was oh she was fun. She was a good time girl. Mm-hmm. Is, is kind of one of the things that they sometimes portray her as, you know, pretty vivacious but dim. Right. Who's, who likes a good time and only understands kind of meetings of the flesh, not the mind. Right. So she was really portrayed as this, whereas Jane Seymour's portrayed as this saintly woman who, you know, she's kind of prim and uh, proper and um, puritanical in some ways. um, And so therefore had the, had the sun, had the the Mm -hmm. air. But it is absolutely rewriting. When you look actually into what happened to Catherine, she was like nine when she went to, to live with those you know, yes. when she, when well, that's she was, just ridiculous to 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 suggest that she was like that. Then, yeah, as and a that, nine-year-old, and she was she was a nine-year-old who had no power, who had nothing, and the, to suggest that she seduced the man of this very big house, that he was incapable of turning down a like nine-year-old girl. Oh. And I mean, that's the thing. That's the rewriting. It's absolutely rewritten. I mean, it's awful. I just think what happened to her was awful. And if she is wondering, I'm sure it's shrieking with pain as to what was done to her because mm-hmm. she was used. She was used. I think it's awful. So so what did happen then? The Royal Assent by Commission Act made it illegal to fail to disco- disclose any previous sexual activity within 28, 20 days of one's marriage to the king. The law received Royal Assent on Saturday the 12th of February and Catherine was executed in the Tower of London on the Monday. Oh my goodness, so they basically passed a law to deal with her. Yeah, they basically, because she was seen, he was so, apparently King Henry, oh, because he was, you know, such an upright man. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, was, was supposed to, was so shocked and horrified and felt so betrayed. I mean, there's, that this young girl had made him look like a fool and it was more it was an awful lot of pride that was going into right. this I mean he was never oh, unbelievable yeah they actually right we're gonna get her we're gonna get her we're gonna find out and it was oh it was awful she was such a pawn and she was so so badly treated she's said to haunt the haunted gallery in Hampton Court and is heard running down the gallery to King Henry VIII's room banging on the door asking for mercy oh gosh that must be awful if you hear that if I you, know, you know, as a haunting imagine that yeah it's awful oh dearie me well it sounds like that everyone used Catherine to get favour or get back at their enemies and she paid with it for her life and reputation yes she absolutely did I mean her reputation and anything that you read about it you know, up until really recently, she's yeah. just painted as this this kind of this hussy. She is basically painted you, as this uh, hussy and this kind of licentious. Oh, I can't say that word. We well, just did. Oh, thank you very much, licentious <laughs> woman who was just going around with you know seducing everybody. But she was Far so young. Yeah. Yeah. No, no different way. Yes. So I think it was she was nineteen. I think when she was executed, which exactly. was the same same age as Lady Jane Grey. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh dear, they're so young. They are so young. Right, so any more ghosts? Yes, the last ghost we are going to cover in Hampton Court is a relatively recent one that was actually caught on CCTV. Oh yes, I remember hearing about this. Yes, on three consecutive nights in the winter of 2003, Hampton Court Palace security staff were alerted to the opening of a fire door. On all three nights, the CCTV footage clearly showed the fire doors opening with great force. However, on the second night, a ghostly-looking figure in period dress peered in the doorway, reached out and closed the doors. What a tidy ghost. I know, my ghost after my own heart. (laughs) It wasn't just the, the security staff that had witnessed this ghostly figure. On the second day, the same day of the recording, a visitor had left a comment in the visitor book detailing her sighting of a spectral figure in the same area. Ah. Yeah, so we'll leave links to the YouTube so that you can see it for yourself. And there's a picture on our Instagram page. 
So let us know what you think. So we've both seen it, haven't we? Indeed, yes. It is weird. It is weird. I mean, I think, as I don't know, I mean, I really would love to believe it. I mean, it's a classic spectre and the security guards are all very sincere about it. Yeah. But, you know, it, it does look a little bit like a bloke in a costume who's sort of gone out for a smoke or took the wrong turn coming back from the loos. What, what's your thoughts? I do. And it's really weird, the idea of a ghost closing the doors. Yes, I just right. think that is... I mean, I love the idea of them going, oh, crikey, the doors have popped open. Yeah. I do love I that. didn't mean to push I didn't these mean, open. No, exactly. Yeah. And it is... That's that's the bit I find. I just can't yeah. imagine. I mean, you do hear of ghosts kind of interacting with the modern world, but I can't even go, oh, crikey, doors are open. That seems to me... Oh, took a wrong turn. Yeah. Yes, need to come back. It's outside. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the only thing. But they're all very sincere about it. Indeed. Say, well, it? yes, and as you say, it's backed up by a separate witness. Yeah. Uh, although he wrote it in the witness uh, in the witness book, in the visitors book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you visited witnessed any ghosts, please do write it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So our next royal is King Charles the First. His ghost is seen in Billingham Manor in Chillerton on the Isle of Wight, which is off the south coast of England. It's also seen in Painswick in Gloucestershire and Windsor Castle. Gets about a bit. Absolutely. King Charles I stood trial for treason before he was executed by, by having his head chopped off. By the Roundheads, I always think that's quite ironic personally, um, also known as the Parliamentarians, during the English Civil War of 1642 to 1651. At Billingham Manor, King Charles is said to roam, or rather, just his head roams or floats about the property. His head? Just his head? Just his, just his head. Ooh, now, freaky. that's going to spook you out. That is going to spook you out, yes. So, on one of the occasions that he was seen during the 1920s, it is said to be at exactly the same moment that a prisoner was being executed in the island's prison, Bar- oh my Parkhurst. So, now, King Charles is said to be also be seen at Windsor Castle, along with some other royals. But, for me, the most interesting story of hauntings in Windsor Castle was of a man who claims he was possessed by King Henry VIII. It's all King Henry VIII, isn't it? It is a bit on this one, I'm afraid, yes. So I'll let the man in question tell you in his own words what happened. So he said, I'm not a believer in ghosts, but then I don't not believe. Nice double negative. Oh, yes, absolutely. I guess I'm what they call open-minded. Yes. Yesterday I visited Windsor Castle. The chapel there is filled with tombs and underground vaults containing the remains of kings and queens from years gone by. Walking around, I felt strange, almost uneasy. I've been on a few ghost hunts before, but never felt any kind of fear. And as I turned the corner, I entered a room with seats and candles running down the other side. On the floor between the two rows were stones displaying the names of whose remains were beneath our feet. I was reading the text on one tablet when for a couple of seconds I lost my vision and hearing and had no idea who or where I was. The only feeling I had was of unbelievable anger. All this happened as I stood over King Henry VIII's final resting place. Like I said, I'm open-minded. But I can't help thinking, did I feel the presence of Henry VIII not only in the room, but actually inside me, taking over my senses? Stories of so-called possession are common these days. I used to think such phenomena was BS. Gosh. But now, I'm not so sure. Well, I don't know how to take that, really. Yeah, well, he's obviously, he sounds sincere anyway. Yes, he does. And that would really freak you out, of course. Yes, absolutely. Well, anyone, if you lose your vision and hearing, suddenly feeling anger for no reason. Yeah. uh, I mean, that's more than a panic attack, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Anyway, so we move north now to Scotland and the ghost of Mary, Queen of Scots. She was crowned in Stirling Castle, Scotland, in 1543. In fact, I've had a tour around the castle and I've had dinner there in the main hall. Very nice. It is very, very nice. Is it? Didn't see any ghosts, though. No. So, Mary, Queen Did of... Did you see lots of spirits? <laughs> uh, one or two, one or two. <laughs> of the whiskey kind? <laughs> yes. Mary, Queen of Scots, was imprisoned by Queen Elizabeth I, King Henry VIII's daughter, in 1568, because she was a Catholic threat to her throne. And people were kind of amassing round her, weren't they? Kind oh, of yes. Like, you know, yes. She was, you should be queen, you should be queen. Yes, get get rid of that Elizabeth I lady. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me. While I was researching this, I came across an article in The Scotsman about Mary, Queen of Scots and her ghostly sightings. Yeah. And it had a delicious typo. Yeah. So the opening sentence was, and I quote, 
Uh, I won't do the Scottish accent. No, please don't. Mary was a haunting presence even before her death, spooking her royal neighbour, Elizabeth II of England. <laughs> Although the two never met... I was thinking, oh. well, no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been difficult. Yeah. <laughs> that that chance was denied them, eh? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Elizabeth I certainly was spooked yeah. and egged on by her advisers, Mary was beheaded in 1587 at Fotheringhay Castle in Northamptonshire. Yes. In fact, we've been there as well. Yes. Swim in the river. I know, it's lovely. It's not that far away. It's a really, really nice spot to swim. It is beautiful. Well, the castle is now only just a small lump of wall now. I know, and we didn't realise the significance no. the first time we went, did we? Absolutely not a clue because it was just this lump of wall with, with, with these railings around yes. it. Yes, and then we actually read this bit that says, oh yeah, Mary was, was <laughs> executed here. It's like Really? Ooh. Why here? Yeah, yeah, on this spot, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, so, Mary Queen of Scots is another very busy ghost. Yeah. Now, I think she probably is up there as busiest ghost of all. Is she? Absolutely. She's appearing in Sheffield House in Yorkshire. Right. Tutbury Castle in Staffordshire. Very nice. Some people, in fact, were taken ill in the bedroom in which she had been seen. It does seem to be happening that these ghosts yeah. are actually making people feel quite poorly, That isn't is quite it? unusual. Yeah. Quite, I've not heard that before. No, really affecting I mean, well, their kind of emotions and... Well, yeah, I suppose on some of the ghost programmes we've seen, they, they do drain energy and things like that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but they're kind of people feeling quite ill, aren't they? Yes. That's a different thing. Yeah, so in fact, the, the bedroom was closed off to visitors as Gosh. a precaution. At Stirling Castle, where she was crowned um, and where her son James grew up, her ghost is known as the Pink Lady. Gosh. A green lady is also seen, assumed to be her maid who rescued her when her bedsheets caught on fire. She is seen in Borthwick Castle, Midlothian, where Mary is said to appear dressed as a page boy. She changes her outfit as well, doesn't she? <laughs> oh, yes, she stayed there in 1567 after her disastrous marriage to the Earl of Bothwell before escaping dressed as a man. Uh, I assume that's why she's seen as a page boy, yes. because she was she kind of hoofled off. Yes, well, quite an ingenious uh, thing to do. So her luck didn't change, though, uh, because she was imprisoned again, this time at Loch Leven Castle, where her spirit resides. She escaped again, seeking refuge at Craig Nathan Castle near Lanark in, Scot Lanark in Scotland, where her headless form is seen. Imprisonment was a bit of a theme in her life as she was said to have been held captive at several more other English castles, namely Carlisle Castle, Bolton Castle, there were three of the Earl of Shrewsbury's castles. Carlisle and Bolton both have uh, sightings of her ghost and Mary is also seen in a black velvet dress in Napa Hall. And Napa Hall is about halfway between Carlisle and Bolton. Which are both northern Both towns. northern towns, right. yes. So, that's the end of another spooky tale. We hope you enjoyed this spooky tale. We look forward to you joining us again next time. Please do tell us your spooky tales, either in the YouTube comments or... Via email, which is thespookytalespodcast at gmail.com. And come and follow us on Instagram at thespookytalespodcast. Or why not visit us on our Facebook page at Spooky Tales. If you've enjoyed this spooky tales, please do tell others and please leave us a review so that it can help other people who may enjoy our podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.